So we're beginning a series of Advent. I hope you recognize that. (laughs) And we're going to be looking at five areas. So what is Advent anyway to begin with? Well, Advent is this. Advent is a, a looking ahead while looking backwards. It's an anticipation of Christ's coming that rests firmly on the fulfilled promise of His birth that we celebrate at this time. It places us really, uh, again, in the in-between time. In the already not yet. In a world that we can't get satisfaction in soon enough. That in a world that thrives on instant gratification, what Advent does or should do is it should disrupt us. And it should cause us to be taught patience and trust. And so for the next four Sundays, we'll look at peace, joy, love, and ultimately on Christmas Sunday, faith. And today we're going to examine hope. And what is hope? So we're going to ask three questions. Why we need hope what hope provides, and what it is. So why do we need hope? I think it's pretty obvious that if you look at the paper, uh, if you listen to the news, that the world is a very hard place. Now, we don't like to acknowledge that quickly. But when we do hear the things that are happening around us, both on on an international level, but even on an individual level, we see that there is suffering that takes place all around. In, in that passage in Isaiah, it says this, that they were in darkness. That Romans passage says that all of creation is groaning with pain. That there is suffering. Now, when I'm sometimes in my car, which is rarely, because I do a lot of walking around for you because I don't get much out of this area. And I don't have my children with me, which is rarely when I'm in my car. I like to listen to Triple J. Now, the reason why I like to listen to Triple J is because it makes me feel like I'm cool and hip. So I just want to repent and confess that. Plus, I have neighbors that will listen to the Top 100 Countdown. And I'd like to, while we're sharing, you know, barbecue and looking at each other over the fence, I I would hope that I would be able to recognize some of the songs that are playing so that I look hip and cool. And so this week, actually, I was listening to Triple J. I had a chance to listen to Triple J. And there was this band called Cope Camp. Maybe. I think that's what the name of the band was. And they have this song that's called Lost Season 1. And it's really about a relationship and how relationships change and, and how you get lost in them. But there was a line in the song that I thought, i got to look that up and make sure I heard it correctly. And when I did, I thought, yeah, that's exactly kind of how the world feels. Why we need to have hope. It says this, I hope you know where you are. I hope you feel like you've gotten far. Maybe you were told you were special one too many times, and now you're lost. Maybe I don't get it, and maybe I never will. I'm just lost. The book of Job puts it this way, that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. What that means is if you have a fire that is going, the sparks go up. The wind and the air and the heat take them up. And as sure as that happens, every time you have a fire, that's trouble. Men are born for trouble. And that's internally and externally. 
So there are things that happen outside of us that cause trouble, and there are things that happen within us that cause trouble and suffering and stress. That's macro, meaning huge international things. And micro, the most intimate argument that you had this morning on the way to this service. It's corporate. It means that all of us suffer together often in some form or fashion. And it's individual. But each one of us have things that have affected us so deeply that we're so weary to tell people about. That close us off. Because we don't want to admit that the world is dark and there is trouble. That I'm groaning with words I can't even express. You see, suffering enters in. It really sometimes can seem that the only thing that we can hope for is that more trouble will come along. I had a dear friend of mine this week tell me that he feels like he's in a boat that is sinking, yet it never goes under. Somehow it just sits there and water just keeps coming in and it stays put. And so he's grateful that it doesn't go under, but he just wishes that at some point there wouldn't be water in the boat anymore. Isaiah and Romans both promise light. So the reality is, in this world today, we need hope. We have to have it in the in-between. This place that we rest at this moment, between Christ's coming and His coming again. So what does hope provide us? Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in a in the same direction. And it's really looking at the book of Psalms and the ascents, the Psalms of ascents. In Psalm 130, he quotes Thornton Wilder, who says this, Hope is a projection of the imagination, and so is despair. Despair all too readily embraces the ills it foresees. But hope is an energy and arouses the mind to explore every possibility To combat them. Hope provides certainty. It provides us with action. And it provides us with rest. So how does hope provide us with certainty? Hope is faith in future tense. It's looking at something that is to come. It believes that God is trustworthy in what He says, that His loving kindness is always steadfast. It is based on God's character. And what does that look like? Richard Rohr, who is a man that started a group called the Center for Contemplation and Action, wrote this about God. He said, God is somehow in the suffering, participating as a suffering object too in full solidarity with the world that He created. The realization, this realization allows me to make some possible and initial sense of God in this creation when it is unjust in its suffering. Then I stop complaining long enough to sit stunned and awakened by the possibility. Only if we are not alone in the universe can we tolerate our aloneness. Only if there is something bigger and better outcome can we calm down enough and listen and look. Only if human suffering is first of all and last of all, all divine suffering, can we begin to connect the dots. 
Only if God joins us, something greater than the sum of all our parts, can we find it in that place. Romans 8 speaks to that as well. At the end of this passage, he says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope provides certainty because of the character of God. It also provides us with action. John Piper talks about it being a reservoir of hope that helps us when we run into the uncertainty of life. So built on the certainty of God, it provides action so we have this reservoir. So in our lives, when we see evil coming forth and what we think in our minds, whether it be individually or mass suffering that is taking place in the world, how can this happen? What can go on? And we begin to lose our hope. It forces the action of moving to a place as we have this reservoir of it to look for good. When we have plans that we lay out in our lives and we think if this happens and if this happens and if this happens, then everything will be good. And that one thing falls through. A reservoir of help helps us to move, of hope helps us to not give up, to move into it, to hold fast. What often happens in a world filled with suffering is we step back and we stop engaging because we don't think that anything can be done. In his book, Touch of Wonder, author Gordon says this, One of the most insidious maladies or ailments of our time is the tendency in most of us to observe rather than to act, to avoid rather than to participate, to not do rather than to do. The tendency to give in to the sly, negative, cautionary voices that constantly counsel us to be careful, to be controlled, to be weary and prudent and hesitant and guarded in our approach of this very complicated thing called living. You see, hope challenges us to engage in the world to make it better. We can only seek justice in this world if we have hope. And not just for justice' sake, but because of the one who is just, Jesus, where our hope rests. In that passage in Isaiah, in this passage in Romans, we see the action taking place this way. That light shines into the darkness and they see it. That their eyes actively participate in it. And in Romans it says that they eagerly 
wait. We all know what eagerly wait is if we've been around children, waiting for dessert. They're resting, they're sitting there on their chair, not really, and they're waiting, right? When is that coming? How can it get here? They can't help but be active. They can't help but be moving. They can't help but be... But they're waiting because they know they have to. That is what hope does for us. It pushes us to have action in the real world. See, hope does not allow people to live with the illusion of immortality or wholeness. It keeps reminding us and others that they are mortal and that we are broken, but also with the recognition that at that time that we recognize our brokenness, that is when liberation starts for us. That's the reason why here we talk about being broken and bold. Being in a posture of repentance as we encounter everyone around us. And we can only do that because of the certainty of hope that we have. So rest. The action of rest. Returning to Wilder, who I spoke about earlier, he says, In response... The hope that to hope, the imagination is aroused to picture every possible issue, to try every possible door, to fit together even the most heterogeneous pieces of the puzzle. And after the solution has been found, it is actually difficult to recall the steps that are taken. So many of them have fallen just below the level of consciousness. Romans tells us and says to wait even says to wait patiently. Look, this is far beyond us. It takes something from outside of us to make this happen. This is why we're not left alone. This is why we're called to community. Why we have the Spirit. Because there are times in our lives that we are going through the darkest nights. But it is those people that God has bonded us together with that cause us at the end of it to look back and go, how did we get through that? I don't know, but we did. (laughs) That's hope. It's the understanding that we can move forward, but it only happens when we stop and wait. Your blue mountains over east are gorgeous. They're amazing. And the only thing that I have in my sort of Uh, emotional and uh, physical memory of how to compare it to is the Grand Canyon that's in Arizona in the States for me. I will let you know the Grand Canyon is beautiful and it is big and it is deep. It's, It's grand. It's grand. It's the Grand Canyon. That's why they call it that. Blue Mountain's a little bit better, a lot more foliage, a lot greener, a lot prettier actually. But when I was a kid, I was about eight years old, we went to see the Grand Canyon. And while we were seeing the Grand Canyon, you could take a bus tour that kind of took you along the edge of the Grand Canyon. And while we were riding this bus in the Grand Canyon, all of a sudden there was this fog that came in. And our bus driver stopped, like slammed on the brakes. Because at that moment, she wasn't sure where she was on the road. And I'm saying we were close to the edge while we were driving. And so she slams on the brakes as this fog rolls in. And she gets on her, 
you know, CB and she begins to call out to the other bus drivers around to say, where are you guys at? What's going on? I've just stopped. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm afraid to go forward. I'm afraid to back up. I have no idea where I am. And resoundingly, over and over again, what was said to her is, wait. Wait. And she did. She didn't trust herself. She didn't try and manipulate it. She didn't open the door and walk out and go (laughs) to see if she could get the fog to go away. She told us all what was happening. And she waited. And the fog moved out. And she looked over on this side and saw that she had plenty of room to go. And she looked out on this side and realized, I'm glad I didn't open the door. Because I could have fallen out. It's hard for us to wait. But hope provides us with the ability to do it. It gives us that movement. Look, we cannot manipulate it. When stress and troubles and trials come, we cannot figure out the plan on our own. God brings us together to wait with one another in that action towards His certainty that He has provided the way out. So what is hope anyway? What does it look like? I want you to open up your bulletin that you have, your worship folder. And if you notice that at the very beginning of it, there's a reading on page 1 there. Now, our own Brett Ballington wrote this. It's a perfect way for us to hear what hope is. I'm actually going to read it to you. I want you to read it. But I want you to know this, that in the printing and the moving of this, there's a line that is missing. And the great thing about this in God's providence is it gives you the ability to get a pen or a piece of paper and write the line. Because the line is actually the answer to what is hope. So listen, it says from Isaiah, The people walked in darkness and have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In our modern time, we have little sense of the sky and its fullness. We don't see as our ancestors did. The Milky Way extending across the center of the night and the thousands of stars above us forming constellations visible to the naked eye. Instead of this, of this, we have clothed ourselves in the darkness and called it light, our artificial illumination obscuring from view what is really there. Yet there is something to be seen, even when to us it seems that all is dark. He says that five and a half years ago when he was in Manchester, England, the cloud was so thick there, like an ocean of dark fog that floats above you, a starless night, a seemingly void of wispy shadow, giving form by the reflecting light from below. And yet, even there, beneath Manchester streetlights, gazing through my uncle's filled glass, peering nearly horizontally into the darkness, I saw Saturn and one of its moons. Nearly side on the earth, to the earth, level with our horizon, its rings an undeniable identifier. It defied the obscuring of our collective efforts to destroy the night and broke through. In the same way, Through Advent, we remember the way that, through the birth of a child, the gospel broke through our collective efforts to obscure the light. 
that through darkness, though darkness covered the earth, light came to those who, looking heavenward, had seen only darkness, and with it, hope as against dark. And here's where you need to ride in. Stood the light of a new dawn. Stood the light of a new dawn, and with it, a new birth. Stood the light of a new dawn, and with it, a new birth. Hope is Jesus, and He is where we are placed. You see, in Jesus, He welcomes those who are completely and utterly hopeless in His new birth and the new birth that He gives to us. In Jesus, He welcomes all those whose hope is running very, very low. In Jesus, He welcomes all those who have actually misplaced their hope in something else. And He welcomes them back into His new birth. And in hope, He welcomes those who have failed or faltered in their hope. He calls them forth and says, I am the one that provides certainty and action and rest for you. I'm the one who gives you reason to engage, to push forward into this world. I am the one who gives you hope. Let's pray. Father God, you are hope through Jesus Christ to us. You have called us to yourself. We pray that we will remember that and we will see it and that we will know it. That we will grab hold of it that we will rest in it with action and truth. Bless these words, Lord. If they are not yours, let them burn up. But if they are, let them take root in our heart and cause action to take place. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and respond to the word together on page 11 of your worship folder. Respond with me by saying these words together. From Revelation 22:17. It says, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Amen. You may be seated.